Good evening and uh, welcome to First Baptist Church. Great to see you guys here tonight on this pretty warm Christmas Eve. Um, We're going to open tonight with a reading from the book of Isaiah. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and he will call him Emmanuel. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning will be fuel for the fire for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulders he will be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end he will reign on david's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. (laughs) 
This is uh, Luke 1, 26 through 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the Lord said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, who is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her.
While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all of the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom he, his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told, sorry, what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as what they had been told.
the book of Galatians in chapter 4, we're told this. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. And we're told there that, that it was when the time had fully come, right, that God came to earth. Romans 5 picks up on it and says that at just the right time Jesus came. But man, it, it couldn't have felt that way to anybody there. Humanity had not received any word from God for over 400 years. And Joseph and Mary's life would have been so much easier if God had just waited a few more months before causing her to conceive. Right? They would have had so much less stress. The reputation uh, would, have, would not have been permanently harmed in the eyes of others. And then late in the pregnancy, a census forces them to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And there's no minivan to hop in, no plane to catch. Just grueling, difficult travel for anyone, much less somebody who's very pregnant. And then upon arriving in Bethlehem, Mary goes into labor and there's no room for them anywhere. And so she gives birth in a manger surrounded by filth. And it's like nobody cares. The kings and rulers of the world don't bow down. There's no adoring crowds of thousands to greet him. And the only ones who show up are shepherds working the night shift, members of society with such a poor reputation that no one will believe their story. And so there he was, a child lying in a manger in the middle of a nowhere nothing town and two people, Mary and Joseph, exhausted and stressed out and tired, beaten down outcasts. I mean, does that look like the fullness of time to you? Does this look planned and structured and organized? Does it look like anything that would have been foretold for hundreds of years in an event meticulously designed by God? No, it doesn't. And that was the point. That was the point. You see, the reason that God had to come to earth is because we had gotten it so wrong. In the midst of our sin and our pride, we lead with our best. We put on display our power and our goodness and our righteousness and our swagger. And what we conceal and hide is our brokenness. We hide our mess. We hide how screwed up we really are. And the only ones that we fool are ourselves. God, the only one who actually has all the power, the only one who's actually good, the only one who can rightly display his glory came and concealed all of it. He came and hid all of his might and all his glory and all his power in a baby, in a manger, in Bethlehem, in relative secrecy into a couple whose life had been turned upside down. Because God did not take the form of a man to make a famous couple more prominent or make a famous city more prominent. He didn't take the form of a man to make a wealthy, powerful couple more powerful. He didn't take the form of a man to show off to the world how great he was. He came to serve us. And so God chose to come to a couple who was helpless, to a town no one thought twice about, and to reveal the wonders of his arrival to a group of shepherds that no one spent time with. Because you see, that's the message of Christmas. That God himself breaks through and invades the weak and the vulnerable. He comes and breaks into your mess and into your, your, into your pain and into your stress and your disaster and illness. He comes into the darkest parts of your life and it's there that he brings light. See, God has no interest in coming to that part of us that swaggers through life so sh- sure of ourselves. God is interested in the broken parts of our soul. God has no interest in coming into the, the tidy and neat parts of our life that we put on display for others to see. God's interested in the chaos and the hurt that we try to hide from everyone else. 
God has no interest in crashing into the lives of those who do not think they need him and that they're already good enough. He's interested in those who, in their brokenness, know they need a savior. So he came for the sins and the habits and the traits and the losses and the decisions that maim us and scar us and leave us broken and tattered because it is those very things that keep us, the prize of his creation, separated from him. And it's in those very places where his love shines the brightest, his grace is made perfect, and his glory is revealed. On that night, God came to brokenness. On that night, he came for brokenness. Later on, in in Luke 19, Jesus himself would say this, that the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. In Matthew 9, Jesus told the Pharisees, a group that was so sure of themselves, this. He said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. See, this was a rescue mission. God did not come to make our successes more successful or our achievements more wondrous. He came to reach into the depths of our soul and repair the places that our failures have damaged. He came to fix the one thing that we could never fix, which is our sin and the debt that we owe to him because of it. He came as a potter to pick up the pieces and mold the clay back together into the way that he intended us to be in the first place. And so it only made sense to start in the most remote, most unthinkable, most despicable place for a king to be born because that's exactly where he starts his work in us. Listen, as we approach Christmas, do you believe that he came for you? A better question is, do you believe that you need it? See, a lot of times we, we get the mistaken idea that we approach God the way we would approach a job interview. Where we put our best on display, we put on our best clothes and we fill out our resume. Hey God, I did something really good today. Did you notice that? God, you notice I've never been in jail? Did you, have you taken note that I'm a really good person? Did you write that down, God? Did you keep track of that? And what we do is we confuse the the God who came on Christmas with the other character that Christmas is associated with. We think that somehow he's got some sort of divine naughty and nice list. And all we have to do is be, be on the nice list is put on a good show. You see, when God came to earth, he came to filth. He came in the midst of chaos. He came to two lives that have been turned upside down because none of us are nice. None of us are. He came to take on the punishment for our sins because we all owe God a debt for our sins. And Jesus came to pay for that on the cross. Later in his life, Jesus talked about how people will come to him like you would approach a job interview. That they will stand before him at the end of time and say, look at all I did, Jesus. I did this amazing thing and this good thing and I did this and I did this and I did this and I I did it all in your name. Look how awesome all this is. And Jesus says he will say to all those people, depart from me because I never knew you, you evildoers. And they'll be sent from his presence to suffer for all eternity. Because God came where he did, and when he did, and how he did, to let us know we're already filthy. That we are already sinners. That we already need rescued. And so from his birth to his teachings, through his death and resurrection, the key, Jesus kept telling us, the key is in us recognizing our need for him and our need to be saved. And if you know you need grace and you recognize that you need forgiveness from God and ask for it, Jesus says, you get it freely. But if you think you're good on your own, then you get none of it. 
So may we recognize our need to be saved this Christmas. May we recognize that we needed to be rescued. We needed to be forgiven. And may we who have found it celebrate the fact that God came for us and rescued us when we didn't deserve it. And in our celebration of that, that we go and share the good news with others that Jesus came and died for them. And all they have to do is receive the gift by recognizing they need it. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful to gather tonight as your body. We're grateful to gather as families. We're grateful to gather as people who are here. Lord, yes, part of it out of tradition. There are people here tonight who are just here because it's Christmas Eve. God, we're thankful for them. God, we're thankful that you came for all of us in here. We're thankful that you came to the mess and the chaos that you did because you wanted to rescue us out of that. I'm thankful that you're honest with us and you tell us that we're already messed up beyond repair is that Jesus needed to take our place. And God, we're most thankful that he did. That you sent your son to take our place. So as we close out the service, a couple more songs. God, may we rejoice in that. May we celebrate in that. May there be smiles on every face throughout this room because of what Christ has done for us. And God, if there's any here tonight, who've been banking on how good they've been, who are thinking they're going to make some kind of deal with you in the end because they're better than their neighbor, they're better than their coworker, they're, they, they're at least a good person. May they see the folly in that, God, and recognize that they need Christ. May tonight be the night that they surrender to him. We pray all this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.
All right, we've got a bit of a traditional Christmas Eve closing for you, but it's going to take some audience participation, all right? Uh, you should have received a candle when you come in. If you do not have one of these, either entrance, you can run back and grab one of those real quick. And what we're going to ask you to do, we're all going to sing a cappella, uh, a cappella Silent Night to close out. But in order to do so, well, I'm going to ask you to get up here in a second, here in a second, Tommy. I'm going to ask you to get up and then go out to the outside of your pews and then make a circle around the sanctuary, and then we'll start lighting our candles. So go ahead and do that. Uh, Brandon will start playing through Silent Night for us, and then we'll, we'll the, the lyrics will be on the screen if you need them. So.
Well, thank you so much for coming tonight. Um, as you leave, uh, there is uh, coffee and cookies and some desserts in the Welcome Center if you'd like to hang out for a time of fellowship. Uh, but other than that, God bless you guys. Merry Christmas. Enjoy the time tomorrow with your families. Mary, did you know that your baby boy one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you Your baby boy will give sight to a 